0: Good afternoon friends, it's a, another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Welcome, welcome to another two hours on the Patrick Lally Show where we will engage in what has come to be known as our trademark, engaged and energetic An entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics. We're going to talk about literature today. Uh, We're going to, in a couple of different ways, we're going to talk about reading, and beer, and laughing, and all of that good stuff. You know, it's it's it feels like spring, right? It feels like spring. Uber producer Dan Peters is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather. As you heard at the top of the hour. Thanks for spending some time with Dan and I today through your radio, driving around maybe, listening to Information 1000 KSOO, keeping up to date, or streamed live on KSO.com or using the KSO mobile app. Remember, go out and get that app. It makes your life so much easier because it's one touch listening to this fine program and the other programming here on KSOO, including Chad and Beth on the Main Street Cafe at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's 5 to 8. Good way to wake up with Chad and Beth. They're always so perky. Have you noticed that, Dan? They're always so perky. It is a
1: common theme, and and I know Chad drives the bus on that quite a bit. But I know Beth is a very good compliment to that.
0: No, they're they yeah, they're both very perky people. And you, Chad McKenzie is definitely the king of perk. There's there's no question about that, you know. And I'm I uh, I'm not often up at five a.m., but I do uh, I catch a little bit of the end of the show, and so I'm I, maybe they're maybe they're crescendoing into the perk at that time. Maybe at five AM, not as perky, but they've been doing that a long time, so you can you can catch that on the KSO mobile app. And remember you can always follow along on Facebook Live or our Twitter account that's at P Lally Show. Oh man, I feel good out there. I could I almost didn't come in. What it what'd you say the current temp was, Dan? Fifty-four. Fifty four, baby. There's not gonna be any snow left. This this threat this little thread of snow that you're throwing at me for my St. Patrick's Day. Eve, that's, that ain't going to stick. That's not going to stick, is it?
1: It'll be gone by 11.
0: That'll be awesome. By the time they paint the shamrock on 9th and Phillips. And there have been years where they had to kind of scrape some snow away <laughs> to paint the shamrock, but not, you know, usually pretty nice day on St. Patrick's Day, and that's what we're looking forward to. In fact, we got I got my packet here from the St. Patrick's Day parade people because Pat Murphy's going to be on the show tomorrow, and we're going to talk about the parade. He's the grand marshal of this year's parade. Patrick Michael Murphy, and he'll be in here. But they uh, they 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 kind of cheat on this thing. They send cookies. So Dan and I we got to we got to share some uh, green iced shamrock sugar cookies. Well, I ate mine. Mine's gone. I don't know where yours is. This he's still got it. Oh yeah. See, there it is. Dan's one of those guys that like growing up would save his cookies. Like, only, if you got like six cookies, he'd only eat one a day. You'd make them last, right? That's you.
1: Yeah. When I nowadays, yeah, I get these the the one pound package of Reese's peanut butter cups <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. And I slice it into four pieces. There you get the two big cups. They're a half pound of peach. I slice them yep. into four pieces. I yep. have one per day that lasts me You know, mm. for the for the eight days. Oh, well, actually, I I shouldn't say it lasts me eight days. I more cut up more. I cut up the first one and I share it with the kids. Oh, there you go. See, and then that, the other ones, you, I, I bring out the claws and the fangs <laughs> for the other one. So you're not getting it. Sorry, you got yours.
0: Yeah, so Dan still has his shamrock cookie. Mine's gone. That's how, if I got the, the one-pound thing of Reese's, it has gone. It'd just be gone. I wouldn't make it to the end of the day. I would eat the whole thing.
1: All right. Would it make you feel better if I ate it during the P&L statement? <laughs> yeah,
0: and leave the mic on. <laughs> Good cookie. That'd be awesome. Sure. So we got to thank our friends from the uh, organization, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. We'll have more on that tomorrow, but it is coming up. Don't forget Saturday. Uh, you know, did you see the good news about the Icon Lounge? We've been talking about that all the I time. I did
1: see some good news about Icon.
0: So it only took them $25,000, but they, uh, they're they able to have concerts again without getting a ticket, which is good news. Uh, we've been watching that, of course. Uh, but that that issue's not going away, so we follow on that. But, yeah, good for the Icon. I'm happy to hear about that because... We need those venues in this town, so I'm happy. Uh, student walkouts today, uh, you know, I had a suggestion from one of the weird friends uh, this morning that if we that if we talked about the walkouts, which I, I don't really, I'm not going to talk about a lot today, but if we did, we should play The Kids Are All Right by The Who, which that's a good suggestion. However, uh, do you think any of those kids who are walking out either know The Who or The Kids Are All Right? <laughs> that's a really old song. Awesome song, though.
1: Yeah, that, that's probably, you know, not in the the esprit de corps. No, no. The, I, for that gang.
0: No, and, you know, but good song and, and a good sentiment. Uh, yeah, a lot of people walking out. It's part of their controlled walkout with the Sioux Falls School District.
1: Or is that Kim Wilde with the Kids in America? Yeah.
0: Kids in America. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great song, too. I think, uh, I think Scott Hudson, Weird Friend, are... You know, I think, I think uh, Weird Friend Scott Hudson needs a new title, like Patrick Lally Show Music Director. I think that'd be all right, because he's he's always making good suggestions, and he can just program the music for me, and then I don't have to think about it. That would be awesome. But I, I, uh, I see that they uh, uh, the kids were walking on. You know, I'm, I, I understand where they're coming from on this, with uh, Superintendent uh, Brian Maher saying, you know, we don't want to be political. That's what he's saying. He's saying we're going to have this thing, but it's not sponsored by anybody. We're not being pro. We're not, we're not coming down on a side. Uh, you know. But I don't know. I think about it in the spirit of an actual protest. I mean, if, if kids want to – kids. If, the, if teenagers want to take a stand and they want to make a statement, uh, you know, I, Superintendent Maher is doing the right thing in terms of keeping things in order and all that. But if you're wanting to make an actual statement – don't you just, don't you do it against the rules, you know, breaking the law, breaking the law, that kind of thing.
1: I think what you want to do is make it be a learning experience because this is an educational setting. Yep. This is time during the school day and why not be able to, ha- and, and the kids are organizing these things. Mm-hmm. This is one of the the tests of something in life. You know, they're going to have to bring people together doing team projects mm-hmm. And this is just one way to make that a future experience for, yeah, for kids
0: and, and it looks like it went pretty well I mean I, I'm not taking I'm not trying to take anything away from what they did but I'm just you know looking for people who and I'm not trying to get tell them how to how to behave but uh, the notion that any sort of protest or any sort of uh, you know standing up for what you believe in is antisocial or, uh, I saw some stuff today about how it's you know just all you know liberal you know organizational group. Well, no, kids can have their own opinions. You know what I mean? They can stand up for whatever they believe in, one side or another, or any nuanced position in between. So, I, I think it's wonderful that they had that. I mean, obviously Maher recognizes, okay, there's this is a thing. Let's have a have an appropriate response to the thing, and not have. School gets shut down all day because you know what's going to happen there, too. You know, and this is true of like any protest movement, right? You've got a few, a cadre of like dedicated souls and then people willing to just go along for the ride.
1: Yeah, there are some who are genuine to the cause Mm -hmm. and really feel that this is something important. Yeah, then there are the ones that, oh, yeah, I'll just kind of go along for the deal. Then there are the other ones who just want to, you know, slip away and just kind of, you know, skate. Just yeah. because they can, yeah. and they don't give a rip about what they're and what's going on,
0: and that's true of life of all sorts, isn't it? Uh, anyway, we I saw some of that it was interesting stuff today. Uh, I hope they're enjoying that. They had a nice day for it. If it had been a blizzard, maybe they wouldn't have been so ready to walk out. But we'll see. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guest, we got blogger Pat Powers in from Dakota War College, as has been the case for most Wednesdays of late. Uh, we're going to talk about the primary campaigns. Uh, my weird friend schedule is in complete disarray, uh, so the Buffalo Maiden will be here today instead of her usually usual Friday slot. But that's okay; we're okay with that. Paige Sarda, she's from Reach Literacy, been on the show a few times. She's going to be here to preview the upcoming brouhaha fundraiser they have for the Reach Literary Literacy Council Center. I can—I always get that wrong. It's the Council. Yeah,
1: so the group is the council, but yes. then they have their, their deal now over at the Western Mall. Yeah,
0: so we'll talk to Paige about that. We're going to chat about literature with Jacqueline Paulfy from the KSO Zambro's Community Book Club. She comes in about once a month. This month's book is History of Wolves by, uh, I'm going to mess up this young lady, not young, this woman's last name, Fridland. Fridland, I think it is. Emily Fridland, History of Wolves. And we're going to talk about coming-of-age novels, of which there are many. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, oh, there it is. Thomas Friedman, ladies and gentlemen. That's the topic. This is Kim Wilde, Kids in America.
2: It's
0: a good song. And with that, we're going to go out, go into our next segment. Come back, and we'll have the PL statement. This is The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 321 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody wants to live, I don't want to live.
2: Everybody wants
0: to love, I don't want to love. Everybody wants to
2: be closer to free.
0: Mm, The Bodines, closer to free, and that's what we're going to try and get here on the PL statement today. Uh, Let's get right to it. Hey, I read this column by Thomas Friedman in the New York Times uh, yesterday, and it really, I thought, encompassed a lot about what we've been talking about here on this program for a while, and that is trade. Trade, baby, trade. And so I'm just going to read parts of it to you. I don't do this very often, but I think it's pretty good. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I don't get time for that. It's just a column, though. It's not that long. And some of my thoughts on the matter uh, the lead is, or the headline was, Some Things Are True Even If Trump Believes Them. And it starts One of the hardest things to accept for all of us who want Donald Trump to be a one term president is the fact that some things are true even when Donald Trump believes them. And one of those things is that we have a real trade problem with China. Imports of Chinese goods alone equal two thirds of the global U.S. trade deficit today. But while Trump's gut instinct is right, he's so ignorant about the facts. He's so easily swayed by the last person he talked to, or by ill-considered promises to his base. He's so weirdly obsessed with protecting manly industries like coal, steel, and aluminum that affect our allies more than China, and he's built such a chaotic policymaking process and unilaterally surrendered so much leverage to Beijing that he can't rely can't be relied upon to navigate the China trade issue in our national interest. This, of course, Thomas Friedman of the New York times. Now, just a side note, Thomas Friedman is an amazing columnist and you may not agree with all his positions. uh, But the man travels and he studies and he's about as thorough as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, He's got several books, of course, which including the world is flat that deal with uh, economics and the world of economics and Uh, the intersection with politics And, and he's got three Pulitzers so that's better than I got and so I'm occasionally in awe of what he can do he continues for those of us who believe in free trade and that China and America can both thrive at the same time but who are convinced that China hasn't been playing fair and don't trust Trump to fix it this is a critical problem to think through and I want to point that out is that we are, there's commonality on the problem, okay? There's commonality on the problem. So he continues. I sat down with David Autor, the MIT economist who's done some of the most compelling research on the impacts of China trade. The first problem he raised has to do with the shock that China delivered to the U.S. lower-tech manufacturers in the years right after Beijing joined the World Trade Organization in 2001 when it gained more open access to the U.S. and other world markets. Uh, he goes on to say that roughly 40% of the decline in U.S. manufacturing between 2000 and 2007 was due to a surge of imports from China, primarily after it joined the WTO, and it led to the sudden loss of about 1 million factory jobs in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Trump won all those states. The China shock, said Autor, led not only to mass unemployment, but also to social disintegration, less marriage, more opioid abuse, and more people dropping out of the labor market and requiring government aid. Quote, international trade creates diffuse benefits and concentrated costs, he added. Quote, China's rapid rise, while enormously positive for world welfare, has created identifiable losers in trade-impacted industries and the labor markets in which they are located. So he's saying in that sense, Trump is right there, Okay. The second problem has to do with access to China's free market for the good of U, the goods U.S. companies sell, and this is another thing that Trump is right about. There, noted Autor, China has not only taken our lunch; they've opened a restaurant that's serving it to their citizens. He goes on and makes a, uh, uh, several good points, uh, and I recommend this column to you all. It just ran in the New York Times. Um, but one of the points that they make is the propping up of uh, and the protectionism of Chinese companies. And Friedman says, so what would a smart American president do? First, he'd sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Accord. TPP eliminated as many as 18,000 tariffs on U.S. exports with the most dynamic economies in the Pacific and created a 12-nation trading bloc headed by the U.S. and focused on protecting what we do best, high value-added manufacturing and intellectual property. Alas, Trump tore it up without reading it, one of the stupidest foreign policy acts ever. China was not in TPP. It was a coalition built in part to pressure Beijing into fairer market access by our rules. Trump just gave it up for free. And that's something I've been talking about on this program over and over and over. And then Friedman continues that once that was done, he would start secret trade talks with the Chinese, a smart president would. No need for anybody to lose face and tell Beijing, since you like your trade rules so much, we're going to copy them for your companies operating in America. 25% tariffs on your cars and your tech companies that open here have to have joint venture and share intellectual property with their U.S. partner and store all their data on U.S. servers. That's what the Chinese do. That's a, that's a tough trade negotiation. But starting, a, as he says, starting a public trade war with our allies over aluminum and steel that raises costs for manufacturers that doesn't protect our growth industries and that loses allies that we need to deal with China makes absolutely no sense. And it goes on and on. Uh, and here's the salient point, I think, in the end to create the conditions for every American to be con- con- constantly upgrading skills and for every company to keep training its workers. That's what we need. That will matter whether the challenge is China or robots. He says, if you this is uh, Artur again, this is quoting Artur, the MIT economist. The lack of a real meritocracy in our country today, he added, is not about the returns to realized skills, It is about the inequality in the ability to acquire those skills. Too many people live in areas where they cannot get them. If you get educated in America today and have a good work ethic, you are going to be rewarded. And this is the last line of Friedman's column. In short, if you want to get rid of walls and ceilings, and I do, you have to strengthen the floors under every American. Which make it, you know, and as I said, these are themes that echo what we've been talking about on this program for a long time. And it is the way to fight inequality at home and build competitiveness abroad is through education. We can't look back for answers. They aren't there. This is the vital question for South Dakotans. For our current economy, uh, for our ability to build and maintain our workforce and the prospect of encouraging the entrepreneurial class, it is vital. South Dakotans are as much citizens of the world as anybody in New York or San Francisco. Denying this basic economic fact only isolates us from the markets that will sustain the agriculture economy and prevents us from sharing in the growing wealth of the world. If you pay for education, it will pay you back. That's the bottom line on today's P&L statement. You can agree or disagree with me, of course, and I welcome it. Patrick at KSOO is my email. You can shoot. You can also uh, go on Twitter at P Lally Show and shoot us a comment there. I'd love to hear from you. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. It's the Buffalo Maiden in for Weird Friends. This is Information One Thousand KSOO. Three thirty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information One Thousand KSOO. And feeling it. I'm feeling it. Here we go. I was born in a Dublin Street where the loyal drums do beat. And the lovely English people walked all over us. And every single night when me
1: jaw would come home tight, he'd invite the neighbors out with his chorus.
3: Come out, cheap black and tans. Come out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. Tell her how the IRA made you run like hell away from the green and lovely lakes of Gilleshander.
0: Oh, man. Buffalo Maidens here for Weird Friends. I'm sorry, Buffalo maiden. I couldn't resist myself.
2: Yeah, you're cutting into my time again, but were you singing along? Uh,
0: maybe. Maybe.
2: You know that's my that is my one and only pet peeve. Singing along when people sing along, especially at <laughs> concerts. I didn't pay somebody to sing. When I when I I, mean, I paid the performer, not the person next to me to sing mm-hmm. off key. I think well, you're singing
0: a little off key. Well, yeah, I know. And uh, but yeah. I do it kind of away from the mic over here, so it's it's not as bad. <laughs> but you know yeah. my my brother, my dear dear brother, <laughs> yes. um, he always gets me with this one. When we're occasionally out, you know, swapping some stories, he'll he'll look at me and he'll say, "God, who does this song?" And I'll say, "Um, Irish descendants." He goes, "I sure like the way they sing it better than you." Every time I
2: love him. I've always liked him better.
0: Uh, every time he gets me with that one, without fail, it's just <laughs> driving me
2: nuts. I'm I'm gonna have to remember that.
0: Hey, uh, so didn't we talked about you're not coming for St. Patrick's Day, area?
2: I'm not gonna be there for St. Patrick's Day because you know, we out here in the hills believe we should have a blizzard every other week and um <laughs> I, I it's something that we look forward to, especially in March and April, our snowiest months. Yes. So we're uh gearing up for that. Um
0: You're getting a big dump, aren't you? The big dump. We
2: are, man. You're getting the wind and we get the dump. I'd rather have the dump because it's gonna you know, like we say, the creeks and the, the rivers I was out in the park, but man, it's just it's getting beautiful. Um it's starting to flow.
0: Is it? It's uh, not greening waters. up yet, though, from the... No. no. Right. Still brown. It's, you,
2: well, yeah, it's, still, it's black, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember. We had a little fire. <laughs> but, um, speaking of that, the burrows are back in the park. The ones that survived, they, they released them into the park. Um, I think a couple of them might be pregnant, too. so oh, that's really? A good, that's good. Yeah. They
0: repopulate those begging burrows. I like how it says, yeah, please I mean, do not feed the burrows," but everybody feeds everybody the burrows. Everybody does. Why did they even put up the yeah. signs?
2: I I think it's a courtesy thing. I don't know. Who knows?
0: <laughs> it's just law. Somebody enforce it.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody needed to do something that day. How I'm the, not sure.
0: Now the bison—they're doing well, though. They didn't really. They. they I think didn't lose they have
2: it. some injured ones as well that they really didn't talk about. But I've heard that they have. Uh, they have also been released uh, back into the park. Um, the babies should be coming pretty soon. The, uh. What are they? Um, call them the cinnamon bears or whatever they they should be showing up pretty soon so um it should be good yes it's tourists are showing up it's spring break out here so we're getting a lot of uh, we even had a license plate from texas which why would i don't know why you'd come here but um i'm the sure time, they
0: were just passing through
2: yeah on their way to canada yeah we're gonna go up to that canada
0: hey so, i suppose it's a pretty good time to go, to, like, March and April? You know, April probably is a very nice time to be in Custer State Oh, Park.
2: yeah. I mean, I would. Perf- it's perfect time of year. Crazy Horse said that they were so busy, they kind of got, they were uh, a little overwhelmed the other day. So and that's a good sign for our state. Um, a lot of people are kind of concerned because they're not getting their international employees to come. And um, I saw one guy, a local guy on TV, saying, listen, it's not that they take jobs away. There just aren't people here to work. And I know that people don't understand that, but uh, when you have, you know, this many, what do we, what do we hire? 60,000 tourism, tourism related jobs every year. That's what we have in the the state of South Dakota with, you know, the 3% unemployment, uh, you got to, you know, quickly do the mask.
0: Yeah. I remember I did some work on this issue and, uh, uh, some of the folks in Custer, I remember the guy, uh, is it the Rocket Inn? Is that what it's called?
2: Yeah, he was just on TV again,
0: yeah. He, he in particular was very uh, vociferous on this point, which was, look, if I don't hire my folks, I think he was getting folks from Jamaica, I, yep. I won't be in business. Right. They, they, can't, they, can't do, they can't hire people to come in and do the work.
2: Right, so you can't. So
0: what do you want them to do?
2: And and one other thing, somebody was saying that because we don't pay, people that hire internationals aren't paying the wages. Well, you know what? We are paying the wages. I know I pay the wages, and I pay very good, uh, I pay equal amount. I don't treat anybody differently from where they're from. Um, You know, and I give housing, and and, and so does everybody else that I know around here. But unfortunately, the rocket did not get his So I don't know what he's going to do.
0: Oh, really? So this is the... Uh, B one, what's the name of it? The visa program?
2: No, H two B or J one. H two Bs are the ones that are visas that we actually are responsible for. Um, we, you know, have attorneys that hire and do the paperwork, and and um, and they come. The J ones are college kids that come on an exchange program mm-hmm. for cultural exchange and also the opportunity to work from May through the first week of September.
0: So and then you, they have a
2: month to travel.
0: You got yours though. You I got my
2: H two I did for the first year. This is the first year ever. Um and it's just uh, kind of a blessing. I just I don't I think it's clean living, Pat, I'm pretty sure.
0: <laughs> Meaning not you,
2: judging the other people, but for me I'm gonna say it's all about clean living and a little uh maybe help from above. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: did you so this is the first year you've had you've had international before, but not Oh
2: yeah, I always have J ones. I do have J ones coming as well. I, I actually have too many employees this year. Um Maybe but they we're can gonna
0: pick up some work at the rocket.
2: Right, we're gonna help them out. So here's my next phone call.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, and it's uh, it's pretty important to the hills, and they're working under a cap, and there's a lot of pushback against it because of immigration, and it doesn't have anything to do with immigration, right?
2: It has nothing to do with immigration. In fact, Mike Rounds, or uh, if that's his name, yeah, yeah, he's actually doing some. He actually understands it as far as I get. He gets it, and it's the fact that we. We always include the ones that are already in the United States, part of the cap. And if we would just let those that are already in the United States be removed from that, it would allow for more to come in
0: Mm. on a temporary basis.
2: On a temporary basis, yes.
0: Um, Well, uh, that and plug the restaurant so people know where to go.
2: Oh, Sage Creek Grill, we are open again. We are starting our. uh, We were started in 1999. So does this make us our twentieth year? We're starting our 20th summer or it's our 19th year starting our
0: 20th year. How does that work? I think you're starting starting your 20th summer. Can you believe that? That's impressive.
2: And I said I'd do it for five.
0: I know. And then you were going to go back to Alaska or wherever it was that you wanted to go. Yeah. Well, you can still go. You can still do it. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, That's going to happen. Well, thanks for the update and and we'll be in touch and, you know, try and, not get buried in snow okay
2: i know keep in touch
0: i will just throw up a flare or something
2: and don't drink green beer
0: <laughs> No, never never why would i, I do know. that that's, that's, for you. Silly. that's
2: what that's the only reason why we stay we stay <laughs> friends
0: <laughs> thank you buffalo maiden
2: okay talk to you later
0: coming up next on the patrick lally show it's Paige sarda from the reach literacy council we're going to talk about Bruhaha. this is the patrick lally show information 1000 k-s-o-o 3.48 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOL. Jesus don't cry. That, of course, is Wilco, Jesus Plus. Um, but that doesn't have anything to do with our next guest, which is other than the fact that it's it's music for smart people. It's Wilka, Perfect. Wilco. So Perfect. And Paige is one of the smartest people I know. <laughs>
4: You must have a really small list of people you know. Well,
0: people who will actually talk to me okay. anymore. Yeah, that's, all right, perfect. Um, but we brought Paige in because she is the executive director of yep. the Reach Literacy Council. Program. Program. That's all right. Reach Literacy. Reach Literacy. I always Easy. want to put something on the end of there and okay. it doesn't need anything. It doesn't. And Reach Literacy uh, works with people helping adults read. Right. That's, that's the basic function of it. How is your new... Uh, uh, retail center going over there in the in the Western Mall. That last time you were here, you were just opening that up. Yeah,
4: it's amazing. It's so pretty in there and nice and bright. And you know where we were at before was kind of in a basement without any lights. And it was a great space to start with, and that was fantastic. But being in that new space is terrific, and it's so easy to get to, and um, it's handicap accessible now, which we weren't before. And um, we just get so many books, which we always like. But like in February, we got six thousand books donated to us. Wow. I know. So, I mean, you know, some are dogs, but we, you know, we take everything, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, uh, Paige, but uh, that's a lot of books. It uh, is a lot I of mean, books. I mean, are you just constantly filing? Yes. And categorizing? Yes. Are a lot of books going out the door?
4: Yeah. we. You know, we we've had we had a really great February, and I think the nice thing, I think the thing people really like about the store is our books are a dollar to $3. Yeah. And so- Even if you have it at home, people are like, it's a dollar, you know, and we, a lot of people buy their books and then turn right around and and donate them right back to us. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, you don't feel, you don't have a huge guilt when you walk out with five books.
4: No. And kids books are free. So really? Yeah. Well, oh, you're so going to you,
0: start charging more
4: for those. No, so every time we, you know, literacy starts at home.
0: There you go.
4: And so we really want to make sure that message gets put out. So we've never um, charged for our kids' books. So anytime you bring your family and you can get five free kids' books every time you come in. And um, we do teacher grants as well for classrooms or nonprofits or schools. And so last year we gave away 7,500 kids' books to teachers and From as far away as Hitchcock Tulare and folks in Nebraska and Minnesota and Iowa came. Holy
0: buckets. To that end, to help out reach literacy, you have a a fun fundraiser, fun fundraiser. Yes. Coming up uh, next week. Uh, the brouhaha. Yep. What is the brouhaha?
4: Um, it started out as a you know a storytelling event, and part of the reason we wanted to do storytelling besides that it's a great medium for literacy, but most of the folks that we work with um, aren't writing anything down, so everything they do is verbal, and everything they're doing comes from a story background, and so we thought that was kind of a fitting message. And um, I, I don't know about you, but when I like to read or I think about sitting on the beach and reading, it's always beer is always right there. <laughs> so, so we thought it'd be great to have a beer tasting event and then storytelling on top of it. So next week on Thursday, we'll, we'll combine both.
0: And it's a Thursday. Uh, give me the details. Where is it?
4: Yep, it's at the Museum of Visual Materials. So just just downtown on Five Hundred North Main, and it starts at five thirty, goes till eight. So you can still get home in time if you're an early bird, or if you want to go out and hang out a little bit more, you can go do that. It's Thursday, too.
0: the week's almost over. I know,
4: I know. And the nice thing about it is, if you buy a ticket, um, Remedies our our beer sponsor this year. Oh, cool! Uh, and if you haven't been to their place, you should go. It's really great, and you can take your ticket and get dollar off beers. For the rest oh, of the evening, there.
0: Well, there's a right. little uh, spiff right? on top of that one. I know. So, uh, how much does it cost?
4: So, um, you don't want to come by yourself because it's much much more fun to come as, as a pair. Right. So you can make fun of people and talk about the exactly. storytellers. So it's ninety dollars for a couple, mm-hmm. and if you buy a table, it's three fifty. So you totally want to mm-hmm. bring six more friends. So that'd be great.
0: Now, is this uh, other than your day-to-day selling of books, is this uh, your biggest fundraiser? Yeah,
4: we don't. I mean, we're a tiny organization, so event doing an event or planning an events a, a lot of time. So yeah. we just do one large event a year, and this really raises about ten percent of our budget. So it is oh, impactful wow. for us. We don't charge for any of our services that we provide for adults. We don't charge adults to learn how to read, and so all the all that money goes back into our programming in terms of you know training tutors and purchasing supplies and materials and and all of that
0: you uh we were talking about this right before we went on and do you want to update everybody on your uh last time you were on we were talking about your i don't want to call it murder night what was it
4: that's called? okay we did we did uh it was my favorite murder we did for my mur- favorite for murderinos murder. yeah
0: yeah and you did famous uh like, south sioux falls or south dakota
4: yeah we did a couple of couple of um, stories one one was about a lady who stayed sexy and didn 't get murdered. if you remember that <laughs> yeah. and then another one was about um, a murder that did happen, but there was some really great detective work and how they solved that. Um, we had a great attendance. We had probably close to sixty people in our in our space, um, and people were really liked it and thought it was great and People told their hometown murders and um, and so we 're going to start um, here coming up at the very end of the month on Thursdays. Um, We're going to be meeting once a month and talking about a different serial killer every Mm -hmm. month. True crime. Yep. And so this... this um, in next week uh, or in two weeks excuse me on Thursday we'll be talking about Ted Bundy oh, and wow. there's a new movie coming out with Zach Efron he plays Ted Bundy it so is. we're going to kind of talk about all of that
0: that'll be neat I know so there's a lot going on where can I find out more information about reach literacy well
4: you can always go to our website at ReachLiteracy.org. but if you never do that and you just are on Facebook that's completely fine because we have a ton of stuff out there and you too. have
0: events you paste face post Facebook events all the time yep all the time that's awesome
4: so, and probably more than people like but <laughs> well,
0: that's I love it page Sarda. She's executive director of the Reach Literacy Council. Next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, is the Brouhaha down at the Visual Arts, the Museum of Visual Materials and uh, uh, down on North Main. Uh, Get on board, right? And support literacy in our community.
4: Yep. Get some tickets.
0: Thanks for being here, Paige. Thank you. Coming up after the break with After the News and Weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with uh, Pat Powers of the Dakota War College, and then we're going to talk about more literature with Jacqueline Palfie from the KSO ambrose Community Book Club. This is the Patrick Lally show, Information 1000 KSOO.
2: This is a public service announcement. With guitar! Hey
0: everybody, don't forget this Saturday is also 10th annual pause to celebrate 6 to 11 at the Hilton Garden Inn downtown. Big fundraiser for the Humane Society. Food, live music, all the good stuff. SFhumanesociety.com for more on that. We'll be back right after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 4.06 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm not going to let Dan's terrible forecast, well, he's just relaying the forecast of snow, thwart my enthusiasm for the holiday of my people st patrick's day that of course a little pokes for you joining us now on the telephone as we like to have him on most wednesdays at wednesdays in this slot mr pat powers from the south dakota war college up in brookings mr powers thank you for being here today
5: good afternoon i hope uh, i'm glad to be here
0: um so how are things how uh, what's it like in brookings up you guys got snow up there i haven't been up there for a while
5: you know we we got a we got a pile of snow but uh it's uh it's melting down pretty hard today i think it's uh they said they were saying about 50 and and i think we're there
0: yeah so college kids walking around in shorts and flip-flops
5: you know i'm i'm on the south i'm (laughs) south of the tracks so i i I couldn't tell you what they're doing up there
0: (laughs) well that's probably for the better anyway um anyway pat powers of course has the uh uh let's call it the center right leaning blog uh south dakota war college and he's been doing it for a long time so we like to touch down with him on various political issues from time to time um and what we're in now since we're out of the legislature thank goodness is we we are in the thick now of the primary season are we not
5: uh yeah the uh the everything's getting geared up and we've got less than 2 weeks until uh petitions to run for office are due so uh so people are out there uh they're working on getting people to sign on and trying to get that all wrapped up so they can get them turned in.
0: Um, there's two uh, rather large uh, uh, races in the Republican party right now, primaries that are on the June ballot. The first, and we'll talk about these in, in, in order here is the, the governor's race and then the house race. Uh, so in the governor's race, there are uh, what there are actually like four declared candidates, but we talk about the two at the top. No, uh, uh, Attorney General Marty Jackley and Congresswoman Christy Noem. So, I've noticed the uh, ad wars have started in for from both of those top candidates. Uh, do you foresee this race uh, being a higher dollar race than we're uh, accustomed to in a in a gubernatorial campaign?
5: Well, we haven't. We really haven't had a race of this sort for. Since uh, since really when Mike Rounds ran mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in oh gosh was that sixteen years ago
0: yeah. now <laughs> it's getting it's getting old isn't it
5: yeah I, I it's I I have to think about that uh, yeah getting back to about sixteen years ago when we had a hotly contested primary with with two people with uh, considerable funds now Mike was not one of them but mm-hmm. he was a beneficiary of the other two beating tar out of each other mm-hmm. uh, you know in this year uh what's going to be different in this race than what we had in that race in that race you had Mark Barnett versus Steve Kirby both spending a lot of they raised and spent a lot of money and then there was Mike Rounds who raised and spent some but uh the difference between that election and this election is that Mike in that election was a viable alternative to the two top candidates and this election we, we really don't have a viable alternative. We have we have uh if the if the fighting gets to be intense between Christy Noam and Marty Jackley, uh they're they're left with Laura Hubble or or uh self declared doctor Terry Lee LaFleur mm-hmm. uh as their as their other options. And it's not anticipated that either one of them are are gonna have the capability of raising money. In fact it's uh, right now it's in question as to whether either of them will make the ballot
0: yeah we'll wait and see before we start talking taking them too seriously i'm going to wait and see if they actually get their name on the ballot well um, that's
5: that's a that's a pretty good i think that's a pretty safe approach because you know laura doesn't have a uh a great track record in petitions mm-hmm. uh and uh i am not sure that uh terry has any experience in running a race and and, and, and People don't realize how tough it is sometimes to get those two thousand signatures.
0: Mm-hmm. You have to be—you have to make sure they're registered voters, and, and they're registered where they, You know, at their address has to be uh, legitimate. And it can be tough, but when you've got an organization, it's easier. When you have to do it yourself, it's not.
5: Well, and, and on top of that, if you have somebody who signed one petition first and signed another one later, mm-hmm. the second signature is invalid. There are so many variables that go into it. And I don't think I even appreciated that back uh, when there was the uh, race for governor with uh, Governor Dugard, and there were others who were running. I was working with Scott Munsterman, and, and that's something that really struck me is you don't realize how difficult it is to make sure you have enough signatures uh, until you're you're in the thick of it, mm-hmm. and then you then you realize, hey, we really need to get on the phone and call people and. and get their signatures back and and you get nervous at some
0: point yeah well some uh, candidates in Sioux Falls couldn't even get 200 so there you go um <laughs> uh getting getting back to Jacqueline Nome a little bit so do you anticipate uh I mean they are neither one of those two candidates is really afraid to go on the go on the offensive I don't mean to put it in terms of football here but to be aggressive neither one of them are afraid of that don't short of being as nasty as the the rounds barnett uh uh kirby race was this could be a pretty aggressive primary could it not
5: well well i i think it's fair to say that you can anticipate it's going to be aggressive i mean marty already came out saying with his clean campaign pledge saying he's going to run a clean campaign and Whenever and, you see a clean
0: campaign pledge, that's a sure sign. It's not. It's going to be a tough one.
5: <laughs> well, and and Christie was was pretty quick to come back and say thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. Not my first rodeo.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So uh, you know, she's they they know better. I mean, uh, Christy has a has an experienced campaign team, and, and they've had some of their elections haven't necessarily been easy, but. You know, she uh, she fights hard
0: when she got into Congress, uh, when she got into Congress, it was a tough go. They haven't been as tough since then. You think the uh, known people have maybe gotten a little soft?
5: No, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think I think they're I think they're they're well prepared. And, uh, you know, you you see them, they're they're going to keep their powder dry until it gets down to the election. Uh, You know, they're they're not going to worry about spending money early and, and, and trying, you know, they don't have to raise their profile. You know, Marty's out there working hard and, you know, it's, it's just going to be a, uh, it's, it's going to be a a chess game, uh, versus a, uh, versus two boxers battling it out.
0: It's, it's I, interesting. I think you'll see it. Go ahead. It's interesting too, that they're both in office right now. Um, uh, And both, you know, and this is not surprising, both using their platform they have now in terms of beginning their campaigns in June. You know what I mean? Well,
5: you know, I I don't I I see plenty of uh, press releases coming out of, uh, you know, Marty Jackley for attorney general. And there's always, you know, a number of them that come out from from Congresswoman Noem. But uh, but, you know, there I I would say there most of the things I also see coming out for them are coming out from their campaigns. Uh, right now yeah there's no uh,
0: doubt but marty was in town this week i think talking you know briefing the sioux falls city council on on uh crime you know i mean that's not normal
5: (laughs) no no and you know we and we also have uh christy went on tour talking about tax reform yep so you know they're they're using the tools that they have available
0: yeah absolutely hey we're gonna come right back and talk more with Pat powers and uh from the dakota war college We're going to move on to the house race a little bit. It's good stuff. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 420 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we welcome back uh, to the program Pat Powers. He's a blogger at South Dakota War College based up in the beautiful community of Brookings. Uh, Hey, I didn't even think about this, man. Are you? You got rabbit fever? You going crazy for the NCAA's? You got your bracket filled out?
5: <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that I've ever filled out a bracket. So Good. I, I'm not a big basketball person, so I'm probably the worst one in the world to ask.
0: <laughs> but you're, you know, are you a, a Jack? you Jack Rabbit's backer, and all this, you would be happy. Oh, for abso- one?
5: absolutely, right. absolutely. I've got my SDSU ball cap on right now. In oh, fact.
0: I we're gonna. I'm gonna let that pass without comment from the from the Coyote Nation down here. Um, so the House race, uh, Republican primary in the House race. You got Krebs, Chantel Krebs, Secretary of State, Dusty Johnson, former PUC Commissioner, former Chief of Staff to Dennis to Governor Governor Dennis Dugard. I just go GWD. I just helps me get it out. And then the wild card here, Neil Tapio, State Senator Neil Tapio what is the late what's your latest thinking on whether or not Neil Tapio is actually serious about getting in this race
5: well you know he's been he's been going through the motions and and claims uh you know he he's always told me that it's his intent to self fund uh his race, which you know and that's great that he has that kind of money. I, I don't know that I would spend it on a congressional race myself.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I,
5: I think I'd, go, I'd be somewhere warm for the winter, but yes. he, he's choosing to use it to run for Congress. Now, he's out there collecting signatures and all of that, but you know, he doesn't have a, a very strong campaign organization. In fact, only Dusty really has a team out there of volunteers out uh, beating the Bushes.
0: So uh, Tapio, uh, just to refresh people, has is uh, uh, involved in. He, he is. I don't know how to characterize his platform. I don't want to mischaracterize it. He has he has deep concerns about uh, uh, immigration policy and refugee policy. He is. He was state director for for Dennis or tennis Donald Trump during the twenty sixteen presidential election. So he really is embracing the policies of the president. That's fair to say, correct?
5: Uh, you know, I I think. He is uh, trying to portray himself as the uh, as the Trumpiest of all the candidates running, and uh, in fact today he was out there. In fact, the the, re- the release went out this morning, but he's got it posted on his website, calling the student walkout political indoctrination, and and also talks about how schools are promoting and LGBTQ political agenda and. Uh, teaching an islamic agenda so Mm -hmm. you know he's kind of he's out there pushing as many hot buttons as he can
0: what do you think ultimately are the the top three issues in a republican primary for the house of representatives in 2018
5: well you know south dakota is not a big immigration state but you know there's there's a lot of people concerned about it you know, do I do I think it rises to the top three? I, I'm probably a bad one to ask, but that's, it's never been a big issue on my radar. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think people are concerned about taxes, they're concerned about education, they're concerned about the uh, ag, ag economy, and uh, depending on what kind of year we have for agriculture, uh, it's going to be kind of hard not to talk about it. Uh, I, I think there's been predictions that it could be a tough year. And so I, I think, you know, ag and taxes are going to be big.
3: Yeah. Do you um, think
5: I, th- I just I just don't see immigration is as, as being the issue for uh, South Dakota Republicans.
0: Do you think uh, I, I'm I'm struck by this, that y- I think ag economy is probably the single biggest issue facing the state right now. And it doesn't seem to get tied to the trade discussion. And it seems at some measure in my discussions with people in this that the the ag community ultimately believes that uh, President Trump's trade policies will benefit them, but they haven't seen the evidence of it yet. At what point does does the trade policies pulling out of TPP tearing up NAFTA uh, start to weigh on voters in the state of South Dakota?
5: Well, I, I think if, uh, depending on how drastically the economy is impacted, that's when it starts to get people's attention. If, uh, you know, if uh, farms are being foreclosed on and they they aren't making money this year and it's going to just be a trickle-down effect for the communities, um, I mean, that's when it starts to get to be a big issue. Uh, I mean, those were things that affected uh, the, uh, the Thune uh Dashel race mm-hmm. uh, way back when,
0: yeah, they never really go away. Um, or, or
5: should I say, well, it was the Thune Johnson race.
0: Oh, okay. uh, at the
5: time, yeah, they, they they all blur together after a while. But yeah, <laughs> that, that affected the Thune Johnson race, and and when Bush came out to visit, and, and it caused didn't uh, necessarily do Thune any good.
0: Right, right, and that was coming out of when NAFTA was first going into effect. People were optimistic, and in fact. When you talk to Mike Rounds, who was governor during the real implementation of NAFTA, NAFTA was a a really good period for South Dakota. So I I wonder to what degree people are going to start to be skeptical about how agriculture is going to be affected by rhetoric on steel imports, for instance.
5: Well, you know, and I think the the rhetoric on the steel imports and and aluminum, you know, the talk about tariffs, I I think it's just a negotiation tactic Mm -hmm. at this point
0: yeah well we need we uh we'd love to have those markets over there in asia so we'll see how that how that pans out but uh and we'll talk more about it when pat powers is on the show hopefully next week pat thanks for being here well
5: thanks for having me
0: coming up after the news and weather with mr dan peters we're going to talk with jacqueline Palfi from the KSO, Zambro's Community Book Club. Okay, it's really just the Zambro's Community Book Club, and I glom onto it, but that's how things work. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO 345 on the Patrick Lally Show. Maybe I won't feel so afraid. Information 1000 KSOO. Wilco. I will try to understand Either way. One of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands. That's Either Way by Wilco. Which brings us into books. As I said to Paige Sarda, who was here earlier, and I played a little Wilco for her entry as well. Smart music for smart people. And that brings us to Jacqueline Palfi, who is the... Uh, founder of the KSO Zambros Community Book Club, formerly known as the Zambros Community Book Club. Thank you for coming in for the your monthly visit, Jacqueline.
3: <laughs> Thanks for having me. I I want to know what song Paige got.
0: Uh, Jesus, Jesus plus, you know.
3: Well, in the world of you know competitive literature and lyrics, I just want to you know determine if I got a better or lesser Wilco intro.
0: I personally like this <laughs> song better, but that doesn't really mean anything. Um, So anyway, we're here to talk about books every month you come in and uh, to preview the big uh, Zambro's book club meeting, which is coming up when? Tomorrow! Tomorrow! It's the third Thursday of every month.
3: You got it. Easy to remember.
0: Yes, and so uh, give us the details on that before we get started.
3: Um, It is at 6.30 p.m. at Zanbro's Variety downtown, the third Thursday of every month, which is two weeks after the first Friday, so you can remember (laughs) it that way. Um, We are free, open to the public. You can get a discount on the book if you buy it at Zanbro's, and uh, we've been going for 11 years.
0: Um, This month's book, is uh uh is it the history of wolves or history history the? no Hi- there's no article there's article, no article free, Ar- <laughs> article none is uh history of wolves Correct. and uh, I have the author here Emily Fridland 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 what do you think
3: you know I was a print journalist so I don't know how to say it I'll leave that to the talent
0: we're gonna go Fridland
3: I think that's Thanks. fair. <laughs>
0: Tell us about this book. Just give us the overview.
3: Um, This is a book set in northern Minnesota, so it's a little bit of regionalism, and I know that some of your listeners like that quite a bit. Um, It's a coming-of-age novel about a 14-year-old girl who um, formerly lived in a commune and now is not in the commune anymore, but she and her family live on this lake, and a family moves in across the lake, and then it's what happens.
0: Is it a northern Minnesota commune? or they just they come in from the east coast somewhere to live in uh, No,
3: okay. it was a northern Minnesota commune.
0: Okay. Yeah. Those are the best kind of communes?
3: Yeah. <laughs> very isolated, very cold.
0: We I think in this case you would call them towns because towns are communes same thing.
3: This had more of a uh, you know, hippie atmosphere, you could uh, say. So like It was more scarring was than, dis- you know.
0: Dis- displaced uh, Twin Cities liberals.
3: Yes, I think that's exactly it.
0: Awesome. Uh and so History of Wolves by uh, Emily Fridlin is the book. And so people come down and you sit around and you talk about the book. Yep. Um, but it is a, uh, uh, co- you, what would you call it, a coming-of-age novel?
3: Yep, it's built as a coming-of-age novel with a little bit of a um, twist to it. A thr- it's kind of a it's i I've seen it referenced as a coming-of-age novel and also a thriller, but not typical of either genre.
0: Interesting. So if you're just a coming-of-age novel, in the end, your your uh, uh, protagonist comes of age with some sort of lesson and then everybody moves on in a coming of age thriller But somebody's got to die is that i you <laughs> know,
3: i don't know if it it's kind of interesting maybe that's there's a just, shootout there's something darker that happens yeah, you know okay. but that's fair. anytime innocence is lost i think you could argue something dark has happened
0: um, well then innocence is always lost come on now so
3: <laughs> not on the commune it wasn't
0: that's true. That's why she left. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, okay. this book is highly regarded, though, right?
3: Yep, it was a finalist for the Man Booker Prize,
0: which is one of the big ones.
3: You got it. Yep,
0: and uh, you know, favorably uh, reviewed by the New York Times and, and such. NPR and NPR. So Much you loved. know it's good. But this gets me back to this whole thing about coming of age novels, though, because I tend to think of coming of age novels novels as YA. You you know, young adult literature like. I'm not going to read that. I hear coming of age, and I'm like, that's going to be like a Harry Potter movie or something.
3: Um, yeah, maybe for some of it, but there are plenty of, you know, this would be considered sort of literary nonfiction, right? And it just happens to have young characters, a, a young character. It doesn't mean that it's written for a young adult reader, right? You know, you're confusing. Character with audience. Well I'm
0: not confusing it. I just when I when I hear it, yeah, because there are a lot of books that I have read as a young adult and later adult that are coming of age novels, but they are not necessarily written for the young audience. That's right. But some of them are some of them are just good.
3: And it doesn't matter. It's a universal story. That's why they're so good. And they're probably popular. With young adults because they're the people who are coming of age, and then they're popular. I think with you and I because they're a little nostalgic.
0: Yeah, you I'm recognize not gonna read it, it in
3: yourself, I, in your kids.
0: But I'm not going to read a Harry Potter book, for instance.
3: Okay, well that's fantasy. And yeah, that's a different. I mean, that's show. true. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of.
0: Yeah, that is a different <laughs> show, to be sure. Uh, but I, you know, I want to talk more about this uh, coming of age stuff because we were talking about some sort of classic coming-of-age books Mm -hmm. that I don't think of those as young adult, but maybe that's because I read them when I was a young adult.
3: So either you are a very advanced reader or you have no concept of who a book is written for. Both (laughs) could be true. are the options. Yeah, both could be true.
0: (laughs) Uh, We're going to come right back and talk more uh, about History of Wolves, uh, which is the KSO Zambro's Community Book Club selection for, what month are we in? What is this? Oh, gosh, March, March. March. March is the book and the uh, book club meets tomorrow night at Zambrose at
3: six thirty. Six thirty. I always
0: get the time wrong. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information yeah, One Thousand. Trampled by Turtles, ladies and gentlemen. They have a new record out. I'm just praying, praying they come back to town. One of the greatest acts I've ever seen live in my life. Ah, this is Codeine. Uh, anyway, uh, getting back to the KSO Zambros Community Book Club, we're here talking with Jacqueline Palfi, And uh, the book is History of Wolves and uh, uh, Emily Fridland. And the book club meets tomorrow night at Zambros. Down on Phillips Avenue uh, at six thirty. Ah, you got it. Wow, that's pretty cool. And also, you can always find out about the book and all that uh, by following uh, the Zambros Community Book Club on Facebook. Yep. How's all that, man? That's the that's the lead in of high high propri- high order. Eh, doesn't matter. Um, so, is this uh, history of wolves? This uh, do you like this book? What's I the do, deal?
3: Yeah, I like it a lot. I like all coming of age novels. I mean, maybe not all of them, but I. For the same reasons we talked about that it's sort of a universal experience mm-hmm. you know um, one of the things i I read in here that i hadn't really thought about, like you think coming of age is some some moment that happens you know like w- when does it happen how do you how do you punctuate it right when when does it start and I never thought about it's it's this realization that you're you're other, right? You're different than some you're different than you were whatever that was. And this so this character in the book um, Linda she gets charged with taking care of the four-year-old boy that this couple comes with. So she's the she's the girl from the commune and this family moves in across the street or the lake and she they say can you babysit our four-year-old son? So she does and There's a little part where it says, um, Linda doesn't know quite what to make of Paul, that's the child, or of children in general. By their nature, it came to me. Children were freaks, she thinks. They believed impossible things to suit themselves, thought their fantasies were the center of the world. They were the best kinds of quacks, if that's what you wanted. Pretenders who didn't know they were pretending at all. And I never thought about... That being a, a coming of age kind of moment, where suddenly you realize you're not one of the kids, and that you don't have that same sort of innocence that they do. You yeah. know, I watch it with my own kids; they're seven mm. and nine, and suddenly you're like, mm, they get it in a way they didn't get it before. It's the this, darkness is befalling <laughs> them. Yeah, you know, it's this this weird realization, and and it's fascinating to think about what it was for you, and it's fascinating to watch it unfold across someone else.
0: So in preparation for this, because we're talking about uh, coming of age, and I think that's a pretty apt description, but, you know, I don't think of these books when when I did my research for this uh, segment. Um, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. And you think about it, okay, yeah, that's a good one. Catcher in the Rye, clearly, that's like the the coming of age book of all time, right? Um, But then, you know, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. So good. Yeah, I read it when I was a very young lad. But then I see, oh, I know why The cage Bird Sings, which isn't, you know, Maya Angelou. Yep. Just that piece of work that she did was enough for all time. Um, you know, Are You There, God? It's Me, which I never read, but I saw Oral and so Terp so many times yes. that I'm never going to read it. Yes. Um, but then I see the books that actually appeal to me. Now, I, this is where I come in, right? Uh, Lord of the Flies and The Outsiders. Now, yeah. these are two coming-of-age books that I, that appeal to me, that stuck with me.
3: I watch Lord of the Flies play out in my backyard all summer long with all the kids.
0: <laughs> exactly, you see Lord of the Flies. Once you once you read that book and it's imprinted on your soul, you just see it over and over yeah. and over.
3: That's the universal appeal, and you reference it all the time. I know
0: it's like Lord of the Flies out there. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you heard that? A lot. And it's a and it, if you go back and read it, it's just a, it is really an incredible book.
3: It's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Um it does, and it scares you as a child. I think that's why it imprints it upon you. And you're like, oh, my God, what if there were no parents? What if there were no adults? Would
3: children would be even more feral than they already are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, of course, S.E. Hinton, who wrote The Outsiders.
3: Who wrote under S.E. S- because she didn't think that people would read her kind of books written by a girl. She was a girl. She was a yeah. teenager. Well, it might
0: be true. Yeah, I'm sure and, it was you know, true. And as it turns out, uh, generations of young boys have, have have seen themselves in these characters or wanted to see mm-hmm. themselves in these characters. Pony Boy. I'm trying to remember all Soda of them. Pop. Soda Pop.
3: And Dallas. What, yeah. And what, bit. The bit. I keep going. You want me to keep going? Yeah, I do. Keep Cherry. Going. Cherry was the girlfriend.
0: There you go. I use that line. Uh, I don't even remember who says it. Cherry
3: says it to Ponyboy when you, they're standing there. You
0: corrected me on it all the time. Thing, I say, things are tough all over, Ponyboy. And you say, things are rough all over. Yep. I'm going to have to go check that for veracity, but I'm going to believe you. Um, but it is a, you know, that's a note. That, just that phrase means something to me.
3: Well, think about it from his perspective. So he's a greaser, right? He's a kid. He thinks that, you know, he looks at these these popular rich kids and thinks – their life is charmed, that it's so different from his, you know, and, and then to hear that, to realize, no, things really are rough all over. It's not the same kind, the same, you know, stress points, but it doesn't mean it's easy either. There's all kinds of pressures on you. And he just had never had that realization. Now,
0: you know? was that the movie? Okay, so the S.E. Hinton books yep. made great movies.
3: Yes, they were awesome. And they were. this is the great thing about those books they're like Vonnegut. They're all connected. So yeah. you you read one book, and there's like there's a scene in, um, is it text maybe where there's Tubit is in the lunchroom, and it's fine. It doesn't. If you haven't read The Outsiders, it doesn't matter. But if you have, it's just funny that he's in the lunchroom. Mm-hmm. It's you know? awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, was Outsiders the one with Emilio Estevez in yes. the movie? Yes. And there's a fabulous scene in that movie at the end where it's raining.
3: Yep, the fight. That's A, the, that's what it all leads up to. Yeah,
0: and Emilio is sitting there and the and it looks like the drop is the rain is running down his face cuz he's reflecting. It's not that's not. Is that that's outsiders, isn't it?
3: Yeah, that's the outsiders. yeah, because they get, remember they the they go to the park and then uh, the socius try to drown him and then the This is the The end two the boys movie. run away and then the church caves in on him, and then uh, Johnny is in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. And then they go. They have to go to the fight because, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? He says, we have to go do it. We have to do it for Johnny. Remember? It's, oh, what's his name? Where's Dan? Chime in, Dan.
0: It's Emilio Estevez. That's anyway, not who says that? Uh, no, he doesn't say it. No. Okay. Anyway, here's another book, though, that is completely Matt Dillon.
3: Th- it's Matt Dillon.
0: Thank you. Um, uh, Huckleberry Finn, of course. Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Mm-hmm. Great book. Uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin, which is, some of these are really old books. Yeah. Uh, but here's one that you wouldn't, I don't I don't think of it as coming of age, but clearly is once I think about it. It's clearly not a, a YA novel, and that is Oranges Are Not the Only uh, Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. Love
3: Jeanette Winterson.
0: I know you do. And this book is pretty old now. It was her, it was her first novel, right? It's autobiography, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's semi autobiography you no
3: know, she's raised in a very religious household and then um was trying to understand that and and her own sexuality, which is at odds with the life she was raised in
0: and it's uh, she realizes that she is in fact uh, a lesbian yeah and she, uh, the exploration of that is clearly coming of age and it's an awesome book. But it's, it's not what I – I never would have put that in that category until I saw it on a list.
3: Well, it's, it's built as a coming out novel, right? That's one yeah. – so isn't that part of a coming of age, yep. re, a realization Absolutely. about yourself? And then an ability to express it or a willingness to express it.
0: There's so many great ones, great expectations. Yep. You know, these are, these are actually all – and the, because the theme is universal and it, at some measure, doesn't matter the time, the place, the country, the language, that doesn't change coming of age
3: no that's why it's a great story to tell all the time
0: and you can come down and tell it tomorrow night at zambrose 6 30 with the Zambro castle Zambros community book club uh, with uh, jacqueline Palfi, who founded the the book club what 11 12 years ago back in the 60s sometime yeah all right uh jacqueline thank you for coming in today i appreciate it thanks for having me this is the patrick lally show information 1000 k-s-o-o <laughs> on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, we've been talking about it all week, but the parade is Saturday. St. Patrick's Day Parade 2 p.m. downtown St. Falls. The painting of the shamrock is 9th and Phillips at 11 a.m. Oh, it's going to be a gas. I'm going to bring my tuba. What the heck? Tomorrow on the show, City Council candidate Janet Brecky will be here. The boom man, hopefully calling in from parts unknown. St. Patrick's Day Parade, Marshall Patrick, Michael Murphy will be with us. It's all coming up tomorrow on Information 1000
3: KSOO.